This plenary panel is called Law, Democracy and Power. We're reaching the final set of plenary sessions which have been designed to help provoke conversations around core themes. I'm going to um, introduce Melina Morrison as the CEO of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals. And I think beyond that, if you'd like further information, do read her bio because I'd like to jump straight into the talks. But without further ado, I'd love to invite Melina to come and join us. Thank you. Everyone give it up for Melina. Thank you so much, Michelle. Can you, can you guys hear me? Sounds like I'm just talking to myself. Okay? Cool. Um, it's a great pleasure to be here today joining this esteemed panel. I'm going to defer... I'm not an academic. I'm going to defer to the expertise of my academic co-panellists. So I'm just going to give you some observations based on just, you know... <laughs> my own thoughts, completely uneducated, thought, uh, random thoughts. Um, the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, it's a really scary sounding name. I'm wearing a corporate suit. I'm the only one in the room. I see that. However, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a name for a very good reason. We gave it that name so that particularly the political elites would understand that the cooperative and mutual sector has arrived and we are like the BCA, but with a member-owned business sector. So we're the apex body for cooperatives and mutuals. Yes, we're here. So. And a lot of this conference is about language, and language is important. I'd just like to thank Michelle and Bronwyn and the other organisers for this fantastic event. And you've got a fantastic roll-up, so thank you very much. You are great uh, new economy workers. Um, so, we're talking about law, democracy and power within the context of building the new economy. So, I'd just like to start with the new economy, first of all. And I'm in two minds when we talk about this new economy thing. When I think about it, I often reflect that maybe we're talking about the old economy, you know, the pre-neoliberal economic rationalist economy that was more about communal activity, it was more about... Um, self-help, mutual aid. You know, the time before the advent, really, of the modern welfare state, at the height of the uh, power and influence of friendly societies. I'd like to quote from our 2014 white paper, which was entitled Public Service Mutuals, a Third Way for Delivering Public Services in Australia. So what we said in the introduction to that paper was... In the second half of the 19th century, Australians pioneered mutuals and friendly societies across the six colonies. Found in every community, these institutions were voluntary and self-regulating. By the eve of the First World War, around 400,000 friendly society members helped to fund the benefits for over 1 million Australians. Today, Australia's 14 million plus memberships of mutuals and cooperatives are in our motorist mutuals, our customer-owned banks, our credit unions, our non-profit health funds, our agricultural conglomerates, and we do have to include Murray Goulburn, fortunately or unfortunately amongst that, our retail conglomerates like the co-op bookshop, our member-owned super funds, and the numerous innumerable local health and community service organisations. So I guess this begs the question that I'll come to later, which is if, that you, if you've got so much mutual ownership of the economy, and we're talking about 7% of, of GDP when we count in industry-owned super funds, why is there still so much inequality? But I'll return to that later. And of course, when you look back with rose-tinted glasses, perhaps, um, at the old economy, 
which had elements of the new economy, you might ignore the inequalities and social and economic inclusion, exclusions of that time that existed in that period, and we need look no further than the indigenous, the position of indigenous um, culture and the population at that time. They were excluded not only on cultural and social and economic grounds, but also, since we're talking about law, by the very legal statutes on which, on which this nation is built. And of course, that constitutional issue around the first people of our nation is still very much alive and being debated today. So I guess you will also, and I've noted this in thinking about this whole topic of new economy, that we're not the only ones discussing the new economy. Transforming the economy seems to be everyone's business. From, I don't know if you've been reading the front cover of the AFR this week, but the BCA and the RBA are having a go at talking about the new economy with their mantra of, you know, hey guys, take a reality pill, pill the budget is busted. Um, or the federal government's own jobs and growth mantra, the innovation buzzwords, where they're talking about transitioning us, um, transforming us into this new golden age of value-added service economy markets, advanced manufacturing and global export markets. These are all discussions around, different discussions around new economies. And we're being told that everything is going to be solved perhaps by that rapacious Asian middle-class market just off our coast. So new economy buzzwords, I also find, or I see a lot when I'm talking about the co role of the cooperative sector as being co-opted as quickly as they are born. And you might see that if you think of terms like B Corps, uh, for benefit corporations, conscious capitalism, sharing economy. Look where the sharing economy's gone. Into Uber hyperland, has it not? Shared value, collective impact, impact investing. The word social is put in front of, any, of everything at the moment and said to be part of the new economy, which makes this discussion even more important and relevant, I think. What are the underpinning ideas, drivers, concepts and determinants that can help us navigate this new economy discourse to find something that is authentic, that is connected, grounded in community, and we might even say, we might even be bold enough to say ethical, genuinely ethical. To my mind, there's one unifying actor in determining the underlying fairness or equitable outcome of our social and, or internet, uh, and economic interactions, and that's ownership. And this is really all I'm here to say to you today. More, point, more pointedly, who has it and why or how? For me, it's the ever-present elephant in the room. We seem to have an almost pathological determination to avoid questions about ownership in every area of the so-called progressive economic or social policy space. And if you think about the trajectory of social enterprise and its obsession with the hero entrepreneur and focus on the what rather than the how, we see one example um, from our own sort of, uh, you know, neck of the woods. Ownership is largely determined by who or what has the most power? And I might be wrong about this, academics, but this is how I see it, um, so correct me. Be it social, cultural, or economic, and I see as law, law as customising and codifying ownership in the interests of, power, of the powerful. It follows that to develop more mutually beneficial and equitable and therefore more thoughtful and balanced relationships with other people and with the environment, we must examine the question of ownership. 
I'm interested as an advocate of cooperative and mutual legal structures to explore the net positive impact of distributed ownership and therefore distributed power. One example that I'd like to share with you um, just now in closing is that um, so a power imbalance that directly impacts law that's being examined right now by the federal government and in that federal re legal regulatory regime is the case of unfair contract legis legislation that comes into effect in November of this year. This is a legal remedy or reform that's been introduced to address the perverse impacts of firms negotiating for the supply or of goods or services where, where one party, be they a franchise owner, a landlord, for example, shopping centre owners, um, monopoly intermediaries like the supermarket duopoly, have more power than the party supplying or acquiring the goods or services. So we might think small businesses, contractors, customers. And if we think about this in terms of the issues, for example, emerging around the banks, you know, this an imbalance of power, and it was Kate Carnell, the new small business ombudsman, saying this herself, that in a, a panel discussion that I went to that was talking about this unfair contracts law, um, she said this, it, it all boils down in the end to an imbalance in power, her own words. Uh, the ex-CEO of Aki, by the way. So um, if we look at this particular legal reform, it's, it's a legal remedy, but I see it as quite blunt atomised and case-specific. Another approach, I think, would be to look at how ownership structures, and I know that regulatory and, and legal regimes don't look at these underlying issues, but I think that this is something we can play a role in. How might ownership structures facilitate a more equal balance between negotiating parties for mutual benefit? So we might um, just think about some examples. I'm talking about an enterprise cooperative of small businesses having more collective bargaining um, power than individual small businesses. So think about a, an enterprise cooperative being able to negotiate with a Westfields, for example. Um, and imagine if shopping centres had to negotiate with cooperatives of small business providers rather than those individual um, organisations. Uh, in housing, cooperatives of purchases, you know, you, me, everybody... Um, oh, I'm out of time. Okay, I'm going to finish there. Have more power than individuals trying to ne negotiate housing in a speculative housing market. So just in closing, my question back to this conference, this summit, and to all of you is, are the holistic solutions we're seeking that require the consideration of multiple human and non-human actors like the environment better enabled by distributed ownership, multi-stakeholder governance and inverted power in other words, do we need mutuality in order to support the new economy? Thanks.